there was something significantly symbolic in Nirmala Sitaraman's decision to jettison the briefcase that finance ministers have traditionally used to ferry budget papers for decades in favor of a red silk bahi khata. It prompted Chief Economic Advisor Krishnamurthy Subramanian to call it a departure from the slavery of Western thought. Subramanian's eco-survey the previous day had already given glimpses of Indian tradition by invoking religious tracts to nudge changes in the Indian taxpayer's behaviour. Perhaps it is this urge to go back to basics that made the finance minister talk about neo-traditional farming techniques like zero-budget farming as a means to double farm incomes by 2022. It is a method inspired by the Japanese philosopher-farmer Masanobu Fukuoka who farmed his paddy fields without chemicals and artificial fertilizers, but still achieved yields that rivaled Japan's most productive farms. In India, the controversial technique has been implemented by farmers in Karnataka, Andhra Pradesh and Maharashtra with varying degrees of success. The important policy implication here is that it more or less absolves the government of spending much on building agricultural infrastructure such as irrigation. Zero budget also means zero credit, so nothing needs to be down about farmer indebtedness either. Mind you, the government doesn't really believe that farmers will actually change their farming behaviour. Otherwise, budgetary allocation for urea subsidy wouldn't have gone up by 19%. But that is nothing compared to the subsidy on LPG. The government spent a little less than Rs 25,000 crore on subsidised gas cylinders. It plans to spend nearly Rs 33,000 crore this fiscal. That's a jump of 63%. Much of it will probably go to poor rural households under the Ujwala scheme, which has given great electoral returns to PM Modi. The plan is to provide each rural household an LPG cylinder, electricity connection and piped water. The Har Ghar Jal scheme hopes to provide piped water to each home by 2024. This year, the allocation for the National Rural Drinking Water Programme has gone up by 70% from about Rs 5,400 crores to Rs 9,150 crore. Along with this, Modi 2.0 has also launched the second phase of PM Avas Yojana, promising to build another 1.94 crore rural homes. Add to this, the Rs 6,000 that each farming family will get as part of the PM Kisan scheme and you have the broad contours of the Modi government's economic plans for the rural poor. While the UPS strategy was to set up a system of rights, the Modi version of NDA has been setting up a system of contingent handouts. After all, the 2019 Lok Sabha results have already shown that handouts that are marketed as gifts from the Prime Minister yield more votes than impersonal employment, generating projects. In fact, the total allocation of MGNREGA is down from Rs 61,000 crore last year to Rs 60,000 crore in this budget. The outlay for the investment in NHAI is down from Rs 37,300 crore to less than 37,000 crore. Adjust these numbers for inflation and the drop is even sharper. These are schemes that directly generate jobs, especially for the rural poor. The Modi government doesn't think they are worth spending on. Even the key source of income for farmers, crop prices, finds no mention in the budget. Perhaps that's because the latest round of MSP hikes took place just a couple of days back. The MSP for Paddy was raised by a paltry 3.7%, not enough to keep pace with inflation. But the budget points to something bigger as well. Along with the economic survey, it points to a paradigm shift in the economic administration of India. Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman spoke about it when she said it is time to not just talk of rights, but of duties. It signals a partial reversal of the doctrine of choice introduced in the 1990s along with liberalisation. The economic vision of Modi 2.0 is increasingly beginning to resemble that of China, 
Singapore and South Korea, where compliant citizens conform to a grander economic idea that is larger than them. There are a few key pointers here. First, the move towards an all-knowing centralized tax administration where all your economic activities are already documented and recorded even before you report them. Second, the imposition of super high taxes on the super rich. Those with a taxable income of more than rupees 2 crore will pay 38% in taxes while those earning more than rupees 5 crore will pay at an effective tax rate of 42%. It is a move aimed at curbing the massive income inequalities in India. There is a third indicator that was mentioned in passing by Nirmala Sitaraman. It is a scheme to get large MNCs to manufacture in India by setting up mega manufacturing plants to produce advanced technology products from semiconductors to laptops. And to attract them, the government will give them investment-linked income tax exemptions and other indirect tax benefits. This conjures up images of Chinese mega factories, which employs thousands of workers over multiple shifts that go on 24-7. The workers not only work, but also live in dormitories in these giant industrial complexes. That is perhaps the key reason why one of the first things the Modi government announced was labour law reforms, to weaken unions and ease hire and fire norms. It could also be a partial solution to the job crisis that India faces today. At first glance, the first budget of Modi 2.0 appears to be lacklustre, devoid of direction. But it might have laid the foundations for a new way of looking at the economy, where the government regains the commanding heights, not for socialist planning, but to foster arrested capitalist development.